Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash godisgray. Now, on to the episode. If I have all the knowledge in the universe but have not love, I'm nothing. If I can speak in the tongues of men and angels and can move mountains with my faith but have not love, I'm just a resounding gong. If I give my body over to the fire to be beaten so that I may boast but have not love, then I'm I I gained nothing. I was going through it. I was just thinking, I'm like, God, I just wish I could believe that. And the thing is, like, wishing to believe something means that you already do. You just have to figure out why. Hi, beautiful people. As promised, this is the accompanying video to the one that I put out on Monday. Monday, I interviewed the co-founder of the Change Movement in Bethel Church. This video as a follow-up was very important for me to put out because I know that the video I put out on Monday may be triggering to people in the LGBTQ community or even its allies. You guys may recognize Kevin Garcia from an episode of State of Grace where my friend Grace Baldridge went to Georgia to interview people in a completely LGBTQ LGBTQ affirming church. He wasn't ready for the spirit. My beliefs are aligned with Kevin's and his journey into his own personal affirmation and coming to peace with being LGBTQ is absolutely beautiful. I really pray you'll stick around and listen to this interview. I really pray that if you're a non-affirming Christian that you would actually hear Kevin out and I encourage open dialogue in the comment section. I pray this conversation will edify anyone in the LGBTQ community that is not sure how to grapple with their sexuality, who is not sure whether or not God loves you as you are or made you as you are. I still get a lot of emails from people that are in a tormented state, not sure whether or not God accepts them as an LGBTQ person. So let this conversation bring that light into your life. Heaven affirms you. I affirm you. I believe, we believe that God affirms you as you are. And if you prefer audio only, please check this out on the God is Great podcast. That's it. I love you guys. Thank you so much for watching. Please like, subscribe, share with your friends. God bless. Hi, beautiful beautiful people. (laughs) I wanted to introduce you guys to my new internet friend, Kevin Garcia. Hopefully we'll move it into IRL one day. Gotta get down. Absolutely. (laughs) Because you're located out in LA, right? Yeah, Los Angeles. 
Well, then you, I'm trying to get out there, hopefully, within uh, the next year of my life. So we'll see what happens. Okay, perfect. We'll we'll see if we click. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. I wanted to introduce you guys to Kevin because he is an outspoken person on the subject of Bethel and their new change movement. He's got a lot of other amazing things going on, but um, that is specifically what we want to talk about today. Before we get started, though, can you tell the God is Great community a little bit about yourself? Hey, I'm Kevin, and uh, I have been making content about being queer and Christian on the internet for about uh, four years now, since I came out as, uh, as a queer person of faith in the fall of 2019. Um, since then, um, I, I had my blog and then I launched my podcast called A Tiny Revolution, where we talk to all sorts of uh, LGBTQ folks, faith leaders, um, environmentalists, trans fitness models, just people living revolutionary lives. Uh, I also started my own apparel company called Queerly Beloved Tees. Uh, I have a YouTube channel where I talk about intersections of faith and sexuality. And currently, I'm in the middle of writing my first book called Bad Theology Kills an antidote to toxic Christianity, which will be available December 2019. Amazing. Your voice is so important because I have a huge LGBTQ group here um, in the Goddess mm -hmm. Great Community and allies. And it's so important in this moment with, you know, Bethel coming out with their changed movement to speak mm -hmm. out and to show people that there are Christians in this world that are completely affirming of the mm -hmm. LGBTQ community and living it out in their own lives, uh, fully mm -hmm. in people, sexually and spiritually. Yeah, so grew up Southern evangelical, like many, well, actually I can't say many humans because people are from all over the place, but I grew up in the South, uh, which meant I grew up evangelical and my mother was the worship leader. My uncle was the pastor. And, you know, I was a good Christian boy. I gave my life to the Lord, age nine. Hallelujah. Got baptized. Um, and, you know, fast forward, you know, my middle, like in the beginning of middle school was the first time, you know, kids started making fun of me and um, teasing me for, for being queer. But I didn't even identify that way. I didn't even like anyone. Like I was kind of a late bloomer. So when I turned like 13, 14 and realized that I was attracted to boys, uh, totally freaked out, like did not have a, a, a scope of reference for this because Christians don't struggle with homosexuality, uh, as we say. Um, the following year, I kept it to myself. My father, through a line of questioning, outed me to, uh, to my mother. And eventually I ended up in Exodus International, which was the largest ex-gay ministry in the world it started like you know around the 70s in the jesus movement and really hit its peak in the late 90s into the early 2000s um and exodus international promised hope for change um hope for lgbtq people same-sex attracted people is what they would call it um to put their identity in christ and then you know hopefully one day be able to marry someone of the appropriate quote-unquote appropriate gender so that you could live a life that was pleasing to god and what it produced was incredible amounts of suffering. For anyone that is an outsider, not familiar with it, can we clarify mm -hmm. some of the lingo? Because you have SSA mm -hmm. versus LGBTQ. What's the difference? Right. So um, 
LGBTQ um, stands for lesbian, bi, gay, trans, uh, queer, and then usually the IA, intersex, and asexual, and then it can go on with the, the lovely alphabet soup we have. Um, and those are people who openly identify with their queer identity. Um, and then someone who would identify as same-sex attracted or SSA, um, that's usually somebody who, the, well, the term same-sex attracted was actually developed by um, straight pastors um, as a way to describe people who experienced same-sex attraction. But you don't want to call yourself gay because you call yourself gay. That's an identity and your identity is in Christ. You have to remember that. So. Yeah, I think that's a really, that's an important distinction that they make. And mm -hmm. you know, it comes along with the conspiracy theory that there's this whole culture war and there's a gay agenda out to destroy the fabric of our society, et cetera. But it's also mm -hmm. a distinction because it's basically implying that it's a choice. Is that not what SSA implies? Um, I would say like, this is what they usually say. And this is what I learned growing up is that it's not a sin to be attracted to someone of the same gender. Uh, it is a sin, however, to act on those things. And so we learn to, you know, demonize our attractions and, you know, it's very interesting, like, you know, for, for people who've never struggled with sexual orientation or, you know, people who just run through the world and just like thought their experience was normal. Um, imagine every single moment of every single day policing your behavior, the way that you walked, the way that you talked, um, the way you, uh, the way your voice sounded, how you dressed, um, who you hung out with, um, thinking the entire time, God, I hope that somebody doesn't think that I'm gay. And oh, also, I had a gay thought. I'm sorry, God. But it, it just was this constant cycle of shame. And so it was what the thing about um, uh, the thing about this entire movement is that they're equating um, sexuality with a um, and with a, a physical action. And while you know sex acts are a part of a sexuality, um, it's not the whole of it, right? Sexuality is our connection to beauty and how we perceive love and how we connect with another person, and how we want to form relationships, both romantic and platonic and otherwise. Sexuality is like so much a part of our human experience. And the fact that any sort of, like in any theology that says that that is wrong, that wanting to love more is wrong, that wanting to connect and be known is wrong, that is sin. That is, that is a yoke too heavy for anyone to carry. Amen. I noticed one of the things that is so intriguing is in watching a lot of Bethel's like online content and some mm -hmm. of the messages that they've put out about same sex attraction. Um, the pastors tend to say they, they'll be like the people out there that are same sex attracted or, um, you know, mm -hmm. they have an agenda or they feel this. And I was, it blows my mind because, I mean, are we even aware of what statistics are nowadays, like now that they're maybe becoming more accurate of how many people are actually LGBTQ? Like basically I've heard it said that 2% of the population is LGBTQ, so it shouldn't even be that big of an issue. Like I've heard churches mm -hmm. say that, but I feel like on the Kinsey scale, I'm more in the 2% being a heterosexual girl. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where like they... I think what's very interesting is that the evangelical church plays this false 
victim card all the time as if yeah. they are the victims of something happening to them. But the truth is like your churches uh, with your million dollar buildings and your, your, your very, very expensive productions are all tax free. Like you don't pay a cent in taxes. Um, and yet I find it interesting that you can have a $20,000 youth room with, you know, lights and sound and smoke and televisions and all these fun things. And yet uh, Mission Atlanta, which is one of like the largest and oldest homeless ministries in the city, can barely keep its lights on from month to month. And elevate, not elevation, North Point Ministries is just up the street. So it's it's a it's this thing of like y'all y'all saying you that you are oppressed, but literally every single law surrounding religion and freedom, quote unquote, is bent in your favor. Yeah. And now that things are finally getting, you know, equitable, now that we're finally getting protection under the law, you're crying foul. Yeah. Yeah. They do play the victim. It's pretty crazy. And I remember I had a conversation. It's my very first podcast, actually, with my friend Brandy. And she was mm-hmm. at a church that we were both attending called Oasis in Los Angeles. And I'm starting to call people out by name that say they are affirming on their websites, etc., and are actually not affirming in reality. Mm. So it's Oasis. And, um, but she had a history there. And when the Prop 8 was happening, which is when in California we were voting <clears throat> um, against or for gay marriage, our pastor imparted a message to vote against it and to vote against Obama. And I barely remembered it. I just remembered the agony and chaos it brought in my own brain. Mm. But Brandy had a very distinct memory of the pastor bringing up the fact that when we start messing with the fabric of Christianity and like legality and the way we're seen in the eyes of the law, that we could lose our tax exempt status. So it all came back to money. And I says, yeah, and I've had conversations with many, many people from Bethel, and I can't substantiate them because people weren't sending me like forwarded emails or photos or anything like that. Mm. I talked to someone that was in their ministry on their choir who was getting paid $8 an hour, 30 or 40 hours a week, living off of food stamps while the pastor is like driving an Aston Martin. All of the dollars from Bethel Music are in the millions and millions of profits, and they're all tax-exempt. And also, there's supposed to be a separation of church and state, but obviously, churches are more and more often teaching mm-hmm. politics from the pulpit. Yeah, the, the problem with it is, is like, you can totally preach politics from the pulpit if you need to. They just need to be the right politics. And if your politics are um, causing anyone to suffer, if you're causing someone to not have full protection under the law, then that's the problem. The problem becomes when uh, churches, churches and conservative conservative and bad religion and bad theology are allowed to legislate morality to the rest of the public. That's when it becomes a problem, which is what we have now. And it is a problem. So before we get into your story of trauma with conversion therapy and your experience Mm -hmm. in Exodus and how that all went down, I would just like to start maybe on a positive note for anyone listening. And just um, can you tell me how you see your sexuality today, how you see your spirituality, Mm -hmm. sexuality aligned 
how you believe God speaks to that and, you know, maybe how you came to peace with that to begin with. Yeah. I'll give you the short version of it because um, it's a long, beautiful testimony. If you want to, if you want to hear the whole thing, go over to my YouTube channel. I've got a video where I share my story, my testimony about how the Lord done set me free. Hallelujah. Um, <laughs> also, like, you know, I think it's so funny. It's like, I'm such a churchy Southern woman. And like, <laughs> it's like, I go, like, I've been into California and I'm just typically the loudest person in the room, but that's fine. Um, anyways, uh, I grew up in the church, was baptized at, n- at age nine. It wasn't until I was 23 that I finally became okay with it. So, you know, you know, XK therapy, all sorts of different groups throughout high school and then college. Um, And then I became a missionary because I thought, oh, my gosh, if I do something very, very holy, God will do something nice for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing is, is that um, love is not a transaction. Like, you know, our relationship with God is not a, I'm going to scratch your back and you're going to scratch mine. It's not how God works, apparently. Um, but when I was on the other side of the world, um, I was struggling so deeply with my sexual orientation. It was one of those things where, like, I was super depressed, came home. Um, and then, you know, between, you know, working for the missions organization that I quit, um, dating a woman, trying to, like, piece it all together, um, having multiple healing sessions, having multiple nights of prayer, having multiple weeks of fasting, nothing worked. And so my last ditch effort was just like, God, I don't think this is going away. And I also am not convinced that this is something that you actually hate. Because what I was learning the entire time was like how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I had known from a very, very young age that the Holy Spirit was totally cool with me, totally fine with my attractions. I remember I wrote in my journal many times, isn't it enough for me to just love Jesus and that be it? I was desperate for that to be true. And then it was. Mm-hmm. It became like, um, it was uh, after I was, it was uh, 2015, uh, May. Uh, I think I had just broken up with my last girlfriend at the time. And I jumped on Tinder because, of course, that's what you do when you, uh, when you get single. Matched yeah. with this guy. And he invited me to uh, the Reformation Project National Conference, which is... Uh, an LGBTQ organization that trains people on the biblical case for queer inclusion in the church. And it was the first time I'd ever heard an affirming sermon. It was the first time I had ever felt like I was myself. I was in a room full of other queer Christians and I worshiped. I went full out. And I'm like, I come from like Bethel land where it's just like super charismatic, loud, we shouting, we dancing. And I did all that with my full queer ass self. Fully, like, um, and I remember thinking, this is what it means to come unashamed into the presence of God for the first time in my life. Um, and ever since then, like, I will tell you, like, it's been hard. I lost a lot of stuff, lost a lot of people. But let me tell you what, the glorious life that I live now, this thing that I think Jesus would call abundant life, uh, markers of that, I don't want to kill myself anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm no longer like, you know, I, you know, I still suffer with anxiety and depression, but nowhere near the amount I was suffering before my relationships with my family are deeper. Um, my, you know, my, my romantic relationships are equitable. Um, you know, I'm not performing for love anymore. Like I'm literally myself and that's enough. And that's, (sighs) do you know what it's like to breathe? (laughs) That's how good it feels. (laughs) Yeah, that's beautiful. So let's talk about bad fruit. 
because that's all fruit that is that is a tree that is thriving so let's talk about when you were not allowed to thrive in that way so how did you enter exodus or were you like mm. thrown into a white van in the middle of the night how does this go down <laughs> no so what's interesting is a lot of people hear ex-gay therapy and they automatically think something drastic like that like people come to my house and take me away to a camp and do all these things um and some things are like that um uh, there's a popular film and book that came out in the past couple of years called Boy Erased by Garrett Conley. Um, really phenomenal book, heartbreakingly beautiful. Um, and all the many of those same practices that he went through in that book, um, I did within my group. But the thing about it was, is that a lot of times ex-gay ministries, um, ex-gay ministries are actually run by the nicest people you'll ever meet in your life. They're run by people who really, really care and really, really love the people they're trying to serve. And they believe that what they're doing is the correct thing. That's one thing, like, I want to just, not that it makes it right, it just, it's context. And I think context is very important. Mm -hmm. So when I went in for my first session with a biblical counselor, I had to sign a release stating that I recognized that she wasn't an actual psychologist. That should have been a red flag, but, you know... We're evangelicals. We don't believe in mental health anyways. Um, but we, um, I walk into this room and um, this woman, I tell her like my story about how I didn't want these attractions. I didn't know where they came from. They just came out of nowhere. And she told me for the first time, she said, Kevin, I want to tell you that you didn't choose this for yourself. And I was like, oh, okay. And then she explained to me that somewhere in my lifetime, or maybe even before my parent, before I was born, my parents or my parents' parents, somewhere there was a curse or a sin that either was passed down to me, and then you know God punishing onto the third or fourth generation because you know that technically is in the Bible, but God also says that He doesn't punish into the third or fourth generation. So that's that's a conflicting message in my opinion. If you want to get biblical, yeah. Anyways, so it's uh that's what it was explained to me. Somewhere in my young development, my masculinity as a child was not affirmed by my father. And thus, it was a failure on my father's part that I was queer, that I was a gay kid. And so we, there's an entire generation of parents that, were bl that they blame for them for being gay. I'm just like, you did this to your child. I'm like, no, that's, there's no proof of that. There have been studies done that show that like, regardless of what kind of parenting you get, your sexual orientation and gender identity are kind of just, they're there, they're innate. Yeah. Um, so that was, that, that was the first part. And so like, I really got that kind of toxic theology and pseudo psychology into my head and I believed it because of course, why wouldn't I believe the leaders in my life? They loved me, you know, they really wanted the best for me. So um, a lot of times I ended up having these very interesting I was very good at making friends with guys, but it would be almost like this very strange codependent relationship I would form with them as like a teen into my, even into my college years of like, like my best, like one of my best friends in college, I was straight up in love with him and could not admit that. Um, and also, do you know, how, oh God, I would only make friends with other straight men because I was afraid of falling in love with a gay man. Yeah. And then, you know, I fell in love with all of my straight friends and it got really, really complicated. Um, so it was just years and years of like cycling through like these like 
uh, these moments of just like, okay, I feel really, really bad. I'm in college. I'm going to go drink. I'm going to go like secretly kiss a boy and then I'm going to feel really bad about it. And then I'm going to pray it away and then I'm going to push it away. And then I'm going to get lonely again. And then the cycle repeats itself rather than being able to say, I'm hurting and something has to change here. Um, so yeah, um, I started getting panic attacks um, while I was in college because of how bad the repression was. Um, I struggled with suicidal ideation um, for the last couple of years of college and then um, attempted twice um, right after I came home from the mission field. Survived twice, which is amazing, thank God, because I really, really love living now. It's a fun thing. Um, but I also know people who didn't survive. Like, I know dead people. Right. And, and the thing about it is, is like, you know, you like, I feel like everyone's like, oh, you're blowing it out of proportion. You know, they're just their own kind of religiosity. And I'm like, no, I'm worried. I'm worried that people are going to die. Yeah. And that is why we are sharing our stories as much as we are right now. Yeah. Um, Because you're so open, you know, obviously you can decline any question, but I am really curious um, about what leads to those suicidal thoughts, what leads to those mm-hmm. attacks, like what specifically ha- did you hear? How did that come to mm-hmm. that? Because when I see Bethel and their changed ministry and the rhetoric and language they're using, it's exactly what you said. Like they're, they appear to be really good people with really good intentions, mm-hmm. but if it leads to this again and again and again, why, what does that look like? In real time. Yeah. yeah um, what well, I think the reason sexuality is such a very sexuality and gender are both very very interesting things because um, the church just doesn't understand them by and large. They don't understand that sexuality is more than just who you want to have stimulate your genitals. It is about who you make connection with, how you make connection. Same thing with gender. It's not about like what kind of clothes you want to wear. It's about who you are. It's about this deep, deep part of you. And um, when you call something that is so deeply, intricately woven into the fabric of your personhood, you know, what does it say? I knit you together in your mother's womb before time was. God knew. So so when we call something that God specifically created bad, and we tell them, God thinks that you're, like, you know, it's, it's like, you can't say love the sin or hate the sin. Because, no, hate because that. again, like it's not it's not about that. Mm-hmm. Like you are equating this with alcoholism, or you're equating this with drug abuse, or like or pedophilia, which is like the worst kind of comparison. I'm like, no, like the reason this hurts so bad is because it's tied up in our bodies. Sexuality is is a part. Like I don't know how to explain it, but there's this mystical connection between our bodies, our souls, and our spirit. And when you tell the body that its desire is wrong. If you tell the body that it's its natural desire to connect and to be seen and to be touched and to be loved is wrong, then you begin to think, I am wrong. I am the thing that is wrong. It's not my actions. I am the thing that is wrong. And then for me, it was, okay, it's my problem. I don't want this bad enough, obviously, because if I was holy enough, God would heal me. If I just, because I fasted, I prayed, I served the church ad nauseum. You know, I was a full-time student, had three jobs, and I was at the church four days a week. That was what I did. Um, and, you know, I was serving God on all these capacities. So, like, 
the problem is like you're like this change part you're asking me to change something that like I could never like it's not a choice like it's like it's there, there's nothing to overcome and I think it's just like you you calling you know I, I I hear the voice of Jesus coming down on this the on the sheet that says to the apostle do not call unclean what I have called clean and that to me is like really where we're at right now it's just like God has already called us. We're already here. We're already working. There's evidence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And if you can't see that, then you need to pray for the Lord to restore your sight, honey. <laughs> Amen. And I'm going to ask the worst follow-up question because I can I love hear- it. Because <laughs> I can hear the, the voices of dissent in my head, which is... Mm. Okay, if your sexual orientation is to be gay and I believe it's a sin, then what is the difference between that and having tendency towards or proclivity towards going after children? Like, why should they have mm-hmm. to change their sexuality and you get to live in the mm-hmm. comfort of your sin? Yeah, so this is where we have to talk about ethics a little bit. Um, yeah, so. So sexuality is weird, right? Um, and anytime somebody is trying to exercise their power over another person, it's because usually because at some point they themselves felt powerless in their own life, which is a, a, the majority of the reason why um, rape and sexual abuse happen. It's not about the actual sex act itself. It is about power. Yeah. Um, in moments of sexual abuse for anybody, um, the reason that it's wrong is because it violates somebody's autonomy their, and their, their ability to consent. Um, so, for example, if someone's saying, you know, homo, homosexuality, same-sex relationships are just like pedophilia. No, it's not. Because a child cannot consent. A child is, it is a totally different power dynamic than an adult human. So if you were to say, like, you know, no, we're not giving, par- like, you know, adult humans power to dominate subjugate and violate a child no one's asking for that ever and if they are that's when we stand up as ethical people of faith and say that's wrong animals do not have the power to consent you know we cannot communicate with them so no and also if you're having sex with animals you probably should go see a sex therapist like i'm not here to shame you or any sort of weird thing but you know talk to somebody about that three what do we have in these, these, you know, these same-sex relationships we're talking about today. Mutuality, consent, autonomy, um, love. You know, for the first time in human history, we've gotten to a point where, like, it's no longer about a gender hierarchy, and it can actually be about who brings us joy. And so when people go ahead and, like, compare us to these different things, I'm just like, it really just kind of shows how much you don't know about queer people. It shows that you've never met a queer couple before, because I swear if you did, I know so many amazing parents, same sex queer parents, you know, so many, like, you know, there's like a a trans dad and a a cisgender mom. Like there's so many amazing LGBTQ families out here who are flourishing and thriving and their children are loved and happy and glowing. And I, uh, yeah, that comparison is antiquated and very boring. Like, give me something, give me something harder. Come on. 
I I like that antiquated. I'm like, I am so tired. I haven't I don't know when this video will come out compared to like whether or not I know if Beth mm. is going to talk to me. Right now I'm in pursuit. But you know, so far the response was sort of like the same thing. And I'm mm. like, no, you don't understand. I've been in the church my entire life. I know every counterpoint you're mm. gonna give me. Your rhetoric is stale, it's old, it's tired. Because they're recycling it. It's the same thing that already failed in 2012 when Exodus closed their doors. Right. What do you think is motivating this resurgence of this movement yet again? Mm. I, I mean, go ahead. <laughs> this is my working theory. Um, and it's, a, it's mildly, like, there's a little bit of a conspiracy theory that goes on in my head, like, you know, especially with Bethel being supporters of Donald Trump, which is so very strange that Bill Johnson supported him. I'm just like, Bill, I knew that you were whack, but I didn't know you were that whack. I mean, come on, man. Um, so it's one of those things where I think it's about power in some ways. I think it, I, in some, some part of me is like, I know that the people who are at the helm of this thing really do think that what they're doing is good. Um, and being in a space like Bethel, that's very like, you know, Holy Spirit, miracles and manifestations of, of God's glory. I think it's one of the, the last grabs of power before like we see a really big shift in Christianity start to really move. Um, Phyllis Tickle, who was a mystic and a prophet, in my opinion, uh, pointed out that every 500 years in Christianity, we've had a serious reformation. You know, the first one was um, the great schism between the East and the Western church. Uh, the next one was um, Martin Luther on the split of the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church. And here we are 500 years later. Wow. Again, smack dab. The 500 years was like uh, two or three years ago. It's like we're smack dab in the middle of the spirit reviving our church. I and, I think, and, I, and I think the reason that there are so many people who are grabbing at power and trying to make things, like, because like um, it's a sinking ship. If I'm being honest. Hallelujah. Sink. Sink, baby, sink. Listen, y'all are all welcome to come on over here. Get on the life raft. Come on over. We'll pick you up. <laughs> we have mimosas. I mean, come on. <laughs> the parades are fun. <laughs> Seriously. I'm just like, why would you stand on the sidelines, like, in all of your guard being so hot? Go go get a fan. Go have a drink. Go. You know, just, like, literally... Like, you would have so much more fun if you weren't yelling at everyone all day. What a boring thing to do. Well, let's dive into how do you reconcile what the Bible says, what we've been told the Bible says, with <laughs> the person that you are and you're coming to terms with your sexuality. Um, I give a lovely hour-long lecture about this. Um, so if you all ever want to hire me to come out to your church, I love talking about the Bible and queer inclusion. Amazing. Um, uh, I'll give you the highlights here. And if you want to get deeper into it, go over to my YouTube channel and look at my playlist called How to Talk About the Bible and LGBTQ Inclusion. I go through all six of the clobber passages. I tackle um, context. We talk about um, ethics. We talk about all, this, all the good stuff. So, so the basics version of this is um, any teaching. I, I love, I live by the rule of the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Do you want to get a little nerdy with me? I love the theology and everything. 
So the Wesleyan Quadrilateral was developed by John Wesley, the founder of Methodisms, which is now where we have the modern United Methodist Church. And John Wesley proposed that when we are doing theology, when we are trans, you know, you know, looking at scripture and saying, how does this apply to my everyday? Uh, how does this create doctrine for me? Got four things. First, uh, well, it starts off with this tradition and then scripture and then reason and then experience. And you can also reverse engineer it to ask if something is good. For example, let's say um, the the issue of Bethel, for example, saying that sex is only reserved for marriage between one cisgender male and one cisgender woman forever and ever, always on men. And everyone else, you need to not have sex before that. And what is that, what is our experience of that teaching? Um, pain and shame, suffering, not good things. And so my experience drives me back to my reason. My reason says, oh, suffering's not good. You know, if something if something is causing people to kill themselves, if something is causing people to be depressed, uh, that to me says, I don't know if that's of God. But what does the scripture say about it? Um, we go through the scriptures and, you know, if we want to go over, over the six clobber passages, it's honestly, it's one of the most boring, in my opinion, because I've gone over it so much. Um, and I think it's also like having to refute an already shallow reading of the Bible makes me having to lower my biblical standard of understanding anyways. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, basically, the basics of it are what is described in the Bible is by and large about exploitation and a lack of equity between relationships. Um, and like we discussed earlier in same-sex relationships that we have today, hopefully we have equity autonomy, consent, et cetera, et cetera, between two consenting and loving adults. Um, so basically my main argument is like, what they're talking about in the Bible is not what we're talking about now. And we can get into the fine weeds of it, um, or you can go watch my YouTube channel at your own leisure. Um, so scripture, I've already, we've already done that. We, I would, I would say scripture is not clear about this at all because the word homosexuality technically isn't even a concept in the ancient world. Um, so again, you know, we can get into that later, but, uh, that's so if, if scripture is unclear about it, um, then it, then I say, okay, that takes me back to my tradition. What has my tradition historically said about this? Um, other people would call tradition would also say community. What does my community say about this? Um, and this is what I would say to that is if your community or your tradition has caused harm or is causing harm then your tradition and or community is wrong in that. And so that, that this is, and then, and then everyone's like, oh, well, how can you just like reinterpret scripture? Or like, how can you have a different idea? Um, we have been arguing about faith for 2000 and years. And I don't understand why all of a sudden people thought that only one person got to decide what a holy scripture said. Do you know what the old, like, you know what the old Testament is full of arguments. You ever really like, read Midrash? There is four and a half pages from one person about one verse in Isaiah. That's how much they argued about it because it was important to them. And now everyone is just like, oh, you know, they, you know, you take, it's so like, this stuff is so basic. You could take an online course in this shit and like learn it like that. Just basic biblical literacy. Um, sorry, I get off on my high horse. <laughs> oh, it's true. But it's, it's one of those, it's a, uh, that's how I reconcile it. It's just like, if Jesus could say, you have heard it said, but I tell you, and I am a co-heir with Christ, 
and I have been given the Holy Spirit. And what does it say in the book of Acts? The Holy Spirit is going to lead us into all truth. Not the Bible is going to lead us into all truth. They didn't even have the Bible in the early church. So I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit. We have it till the printing press. Yeah. yeah. Martin Luther. We didn't have it till we had a second schism. <laughs> well, so, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, let's dive into harm. This causes harm. So mm -hmm. I think Bethel's refute to that would be no. These are our testimonials that we're putting up on our Instagram, that we're putting up on our website. The major thread I see in these testimonials is people mm -hmm. have been sexually assaulted or violated either in youth or in adulthood, and mm -hmm. they believe that it had some effect on their sexual tendencies or whatever, or their sexual behavior mm -hmm. um, versus their actual orientation. Or you know, alcoholism, drug use, promiscuity is all conflated with, you know, mm -hmm. being homosexual. Um, I think it's so funny. Like, they always conflate, like, exactly what you named. Alcoholism, drug use, promiscuity. As if straight people aren't drinking, doing drugs, and sleeping with each other. I mean, look at half of these sex, the, the sexy white boy churches. Like, come, Justin Bieber's on that stage. I'm like, please. <laughs> I love Justin Bieber. I'm sure he is a devout believer, but let's be honest. <laughs> let's be honest. And that's the thing. It's like, if, you, if you're going to be this militaristic and this, like, I'm going to, like, this is another interesting thing. And so many of my friends have shared similar stories of when we were in ex-gay therapy um, or we were a part of ministries and we were, like, the only, like, known struggler um, we would have our lives, like an inordinate amount of accountability. Like I had to meet with someone to make sure that I wasn't masturbating um, or that I wasn't developing feelings for my friends, who all of whom were straight. Anyways, um, when they say like, oh, no, 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 we're helping these people. Um, I have no doubt that helping someone find community where they weren't belonging at all, um, helping someone move away from behaviors that are harming their body, um, that's, that is a great thing. I applaud that. I think anyone who wants to move into a more healthier, healthier lifestyle is great. But healthier lifestyle doesn't mean that your sexual orientation changes. Again, this is all around behavior um, yeah. and conflating these two things with, with, with which they have no actual correlation or connection. Um, and so for all of these stories that they're telling, you know, I was, you know, in the lifestyle and I came out of it and then got Jesus healed me. I, I have no doubt that Jesus rescued these people from, you know, maybe some really, really hard shit that they were going through. And also when really, really pressed, I would argue the majority of the people who have these stories would also probably say, yeah, I still struggle with same sex attraction or I'm still attracted to people of the same gender which means that there's actually not any orientation change occurring right. um, because it's not a thing. So sexuality is fluid. Like I thought I was a gay man when I came out and now I am, you know, a gender fluid, queer, whatever, depending on the day. So like, sure, sexuality is fluid, but like nine times out of 10, like it's not uh, changeable. Like I don't think many people go from uh, straight to queer just, you know, on a whim. Right. Um, 
And so the other thing, too, is that they have all these like very nice stories. Jesus rescued me from all these things, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Talk to me in five years. Because I had an ex-gay testimony, too, where Jesus saved me from promiscuity, you know, and all these other horrible, horrible things that the homosexuals are doing. Um, no, like the thing about it is. Everybody I know, every gay Christian I know has an ex-gay testimony. And then we have an ex-ex-gay testimony. Um, right. So it's it's just for every story that they have, there are a thousand more of of, pe- of people saying this nearly killed me. And so it's one of those things where just like that can be true. I will never invalidate another person's story. I will never tell them that the holy how the Holy Ghost is working in their life. And if I'm going to give validation to their story, I need you to give validation to mine too. Because if you if you want to say, oh, we want to have dialogue and we want to love you. No, you don't. If you want to love me, you will listen to my story. You will value my story. And you will also understand, will you believe me when you say that you're hurting me? Like, just because you have some good testimonies of some people doesn't mean that you are not hurting people. Like, two things can be true at the same time. I found you actually through um, someone in the God is Great community who identifies as SSA Mm -hmm. and he actually posted a video that you made in response to Bethel, which I'll link below, um, and called for the community of Bethel to pray for you and to help you come out of this. Oh yeah, you were telling me. (laughs) So, and I, I love this boy. He's young. He's sweet. Him and I have uh, dialogue occasionally. Um, but, you know, what do you say to someone in that position if he's watching this right now? <sighs> sweet baby angel. Mm. Uh, it's one of those, it's this thing of like, um, I'm not here to convince anybody of anything. That's my thing. I'm not very interested in, in being right. I'm interested in people being free. And there is a very, very, like, in my mind, the data just speaks for itself. And I'd also like to ask anyone who's a part of the change movement who would identify as SSA or even ex-gay, are you happy? Like, so many people I hear, they just talk about, like, I feel miserable, I feel tired, I wish God would just fix me already. I know God, like, you're holding out for this promise. And what if, like, there's a part of every single person is just like, man, I just wish that I could love who I love. I really wish that I could give expression to this thing. There's this deep desire for connection. And they also believe that this is antithetical to how they want to pursue God. And I have to tell you, it's a false dichotomy. It is a false choice. Um, I got closer to God when I came out. If I have all the knowledge in the universe, but have not love, nothing. If I can speak in the tongues of men and angels and can move mountains with my faith but have not love, I'm just a resounding gong. If I give my body over to the fire to be beaten so that I may boast but have not love, then I, I gain nothing. And so that's what I want to ask is just like, what are you, like, what are you, what are you doing? You're, you're beating your body over something that God's not asking you to do. And it can be so much simpler. And like, and there's also like, when I was going through it, I was just thinking, like, God, I just wish I could believe that. And the thing is, like, wishing to believe something means that you already do. You just have to figure out why. Mm. And so, for people who are struggling with this, 
I want to tell you that there is an easier way to follow Jesus. There is a better way to follow Jesus, one that is marked with joy, one that is marked with celebration, one that is marked with full inclusion and expression, and one that does not demand you diminish yourself in any way, shape, or form. You are loved because of your queerness, because you are gay, bisexual, trans, queer, intersex, asexual, two-spirit, whatever it is, your identity, it is beautiful and it is of God. And if anyone tries to tell you different, flip them the bird, block them on social media, and praise God that you're still alive. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> Girl, let me tell you what. I Listen, don't give me a pulpit. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. Right now, um, on my podcast, A Tiny Revolution, um, my friend Matthias and I, we started this project last week called 90 Seconds of Truth, where we asked people to call in and tell us their experiences of being queer and Christian. And we had so many responses that we had to split it up into two episodes. So part one is over on Queerology, mm. um, which you can find at Queerology Pod across social media. Part one is there. Part two is on my podcast, A Tiny Revolution, which will be live tomorrow or whenever this airs. And um, it's just an entire episode of people sharing 90 second stories of how God changed their life and not in the way that these Bethel people would talk about. I listened to it and I can't stop crying. It's so beautiful. So if you need some encouragement, if you want to hear some stories from other people, go to my podcast, go to Matthias's podcast and um, get your tears on. It's good for you to cry a little bit. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for giving all of your wisdom, insight and mm. of Jesus, which is so mm. apparent. You're just such a bright light. I love talking to you. Yeah. For giving all of this to the God of the Great Community. Absolutely. I'm really, really thankful. Um, and I just want to like name um for for anyone out there on the internet who wants to know what allyship looks like, this is what allyship looks like. It's bringing people into a larger conversation, a larger platform who who might not otherwise get a chance to speak the story. So I just want to say to you, Miss Brenda, thank you. Um, this is good allyship in my book. Thank you. That means a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> well, the last thing I'm going to make you do is we, we love, love you. God, God bless. bless.